tell you what, though, at the heart of that story, as you're turning to Romans 1, at the heart of that story, there's kind of a, a sad part of that is because Pharaoh hardened his heart, he hardened his heart, he hardened his heart. And then the real attention getter is that God hardened his heart. And Pharaoh doesn't seem to have another chance at that point that he had turned his back and turned his back on God. And, and that's what sin does. And that's kind of where we're headed this morning as we continue our, our study of Romans. We just kind of broke open the book last week and kind of hit the first part. And I want to kind of go back to, down to uh, 118 through, through 28 this morning. Uh, actually through 32, but I want us to, to look at this, and I, I don't know if I've ever had as much trouble trying to figure out how to approach this as I have this week. Um, I, I guess the biggest way to say it is God is definitely against sin, we know that, um, and the other way to say it is for all of sin and fall short of the glory of God. And we don't really like to talk about sin much, we'd much rather talk about heaven and and being with the Lord someday. But guys, all that is, is a great result of trusting the Lord. That's, that's a result. That's the things that we'll, we'll inherit as we give our heart to Jesus. But I think to understand grace and the power of grace, just one little bit, is you have to understand how lost we are and how lost we were before Jesus. And mankind is, is, is struggling. Mankind is struggling. We're going to look at that this morning. I think if... You want to look at Romans and, and kind of talk about what it's about, what it's like. There's about 11 different questions that are answered in Romans. And the best way to look at Romans is Paul is, it's kind of like there's this unknown objector out there. Maybe there's some, just can't kind of say like Paul was standing before you this morning and there's someone out there in the crowd and, and they object to God. They, they have all these questions and they want you to answer this. They want, yeah, but what about this? And if you believe in God, what about this? And there's this there's this unknown objector that it's like Paul's writing this letter to people that have these objections. Now, he's writing the letter to the church in Rome. It's a, it's a, a, a new church, and they're still trying to get their feet wet. They're still trying to understand the direction that God wants them to go. And for a lot of us as Christians, um, that's so important as we come to know Christ as our Savior. And it doesn't seem to matter as long as you've been with the Lord, however long that's been. It seems like we're always trying to learn more about how we should live, how God wants us to live. And we look at the book of Romans, and he, he's addressing those Christian people there in Rome. But he's also talking to that, that unknown objector out there in the crowd. And guys, as we look around the world today, as we look throughout our country, there's many objectors to God's word. There's many people that don't believe it's true. There's many people that believe it's false. There's many people that want you to prove it to them. And so Paul goes about doing that. He tries to do that and... and you know, you just got to want to listen. That's the big thing. Some people don't want to listen, and we'll see why here in just a minute. The book of Romans is about the gospel of Christ, the good news, the word gospel. Why, why do we need the gospels? Why do we need the gospel as mankind? Romans tries to answer that. It says the good news is this. At the source of the good news is God. It was promised in the Old Testament, the good news was. The good news is God's way of loving us. It shows us that the good news that God's power is the way to salvation. It also shows us that the good news is it's for everybody. And I love that part. God opened the door up to everyone that would believe. And also, 
one of the biggest points at the very end, we realize that it's not done by works or anything else. It's by faith and faith alone in Jesus Christ. That's what gets you saved. It's by faith and faith alone in Jesus Christ. Well, a couple of the questions we answered last week. What is the subject of the letter? And it's grace. It's the gospel. Another question last week, what is the gospel? And it's not up here on the screen this morning, but if you've got your Bible open, you can look right back up to 16 for just a minute. 16 and 17, then we'll go into what we want to do today. But it says, for I'm not ashamed of the gospel, because what? It is the power of God that brings salvation to who? Everyone who believes. First to the Jew, then to the Gentile. For the gospel, for in the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed, a righteousness that is by faith from first to last, just as it is written, the righteous will live by faith. There it is. What is the gospel? It's the righteousness of God. The good news that he wants to save you. The good news is that we shall live by faith and faith alone. And the good news is that Christ died and loves you so much that he wants to give you a home in heaven and he wants to give you an abundant life here before we even get to heaven. There's good news in that. And that brings us to our third question that we're going to try to cover this morning. Why do men need the gospel? Why do men need the gospel? As we look at verse 18, think about as Paul's writing to the people there, and think about this objector in the crowd. Well, I don't believe there's a God. Listen to what Paul says. The wrath of God is being revealed from heaven against all the godlessness and wickedness of people who suppress the truth by their wickedness. Since what may be known about God is plain to them. Think about that just a minute. How do you know there's a God? Well, how, do you, how can you prove to me there is a God? God's word says it's plain to the whole world. It's plain that there is a God. What does the atheist say? I don't believe there is a what? A God. To not believe in something, you've got to originally believe that there was something there. I don't believe. It's plain. It's plain to them. We, we don't... See, people want us to, to understand. They want us to define God by... And they want to say that he's, he never existed. But what we're doing, guys, as Christians, and by his word here, it just said that he's, it's plain to everyone that we're not explaining from non-existence to existence. We're saying that he already existed. Now your choice is whether he exists or not. That's your question to answer. We believe he exists. The Bible here, we believe the truth of God is this Bible. We believe this is God's word. We believe this is what we read for our directions. And we've just all read together, since what may be known about God is plain to them because God has made it plain to them. There's no doubting there is a God. Now, we'll see here in a minute that you can choose that. But we're not trying to prove there is a God today. As Christian people, you don't have to prove there is a God it's proved already. God's done that. Go out here outside and look up at the sky and look at the stars and the moon and the sky and the sun. Look at the nature and the Rocky Mountains and places like Hawaii that are beautiful and, and places that God has just created with his hands that make you just go, wow. There's no doubting there is a God. There's no doubting there is a creator. God said he's already proved it to him. 
He's proved it to them. Verse 20, for since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made so that people are without, say it with me, excuse. Say it one more time. People are without what? Excuse. There's no excuse. There will not be a day when people, any man or woman, will stand before the Lord and say, I just didn't know. I just didn't know. Because since the very beginning, he created us. He took a ball of dirt and breathed into it, and a living, mature man came to life. Think about that for a minute. And he began, and he made that man to worship God. He made us to worship him. See, people want to talk about evolution. They want to talk about that we started as slime in a pit somewhere, and then we became a cell, and then, then we became a, a tadpole, and then we became a frog, and then we became a, a lizard, and then we became a monkey, and then we became a man. That's completely wrong. When we were created from day one, we were as high on the chain as we could get. You know why? We were perfect. We were, we were brought in this world to worship God. We worshiped God. So man is not evolving, man is devolving. We've decided that we didn't like perfection, we didn't like worshiping God, and so we began to backtrack. Remember what the devil told Eve in the garden? If you bite of the fruit, you can become a God. And that's where man went wrong. That's where man went wrong at the beginning. We wanted to worship ourselves. Oh, Brother Todd, I don't really think about... Yeah, we want what we want. Because, see, when you worship God, what you're saying, when you give your heart to God, you're saying, whatever you want me to do, I surrender all. We sung the old song many years. I surrender all to Jesus. I surrender. I surrender all. It's all yours, God, because... You made me, you created me, you made me worship you, and I, you made me so I can worship you, and I, from my free will, want to choose to worship you. And it's all yours. It's all yours. But in the garden, Eve decided, and Adam decided, well, what if we could be a God? What if, what if we could know more? What if I, I, I could do what I wanted to do? I want to do what I want to do. I don't want to follow God all the time. I want to pick and choose and hear what I want to believe and what I don't want to believe. I want to bring things out that, that, that's for me. And so man began to worship himself. You remember Cain? The Lord said, bring your very best. Cain said, I don't want to give you my very best. I want to give you my leftovers. And guys, I'm afraid we've been giving our God our leftovers ever since. I don't want to give you my very best. That's why he despised his brother Abel. Abel did exactly what God said. God said, bring me your very best, and Abel did. And Cain said, I'm going to give you something rather than my best. I'm just going to give you something that I want to give you. I want to be in control. And we hear that all over the world today. In commercials. In, in living life. And when you try to tell people that God says no to that, and they say, look, I can do whatever I want to do. I'm my own boss. 
the Bible, the world says this, the Bible, the, the world says this, live your own way. Do whatever you want. It's okay. Don't let somebody tell you what to do. And what they're saying there is, don't let God tell you what to do. It's pretty serious stuff. But we began as intelligent men and women. We were as smart as we ever were right here. Because we were perfect and we walked daily with God. And we looked forward to being with God. And we couldn't wait to be with God. But then life crept in. And self crept in. And pride crept in. What started sin from the very beginning? The devil wanted to set his, his sights above God. Pride. I want, to be, I want to be God. We see it happen in the garden. What did Eve say? What did Adam say? I want to be God. And we've been going down ever since. Then we started worshiping really important things like uh, trees and, and, and birds and sun and, and beasts and animals. And then, then we got down to worshiping snakes. You see us devolving? You see us going from being able to worship the one true God to now we're going to worship a snake. And do you know this? Remember this. Whatever you worship, you consider yourself less than. Think about that for a minute. Whatever you choose to worship, you consider yourself less than. So if I worship a snake, I feel like I'm lower than a snake. Man. Have we thrown it all away? This is the heart that man has. And you go, Brother Todd, I, I don't like talking about this much. But listen to me, guys. And over and over, put this in your brain when it hurts to talk about this. This is why God's grace is so great. This is why his grace is so abundant and so marvelous and so wonderful. Because listen, if he just kind of let us go, do whatever you want. I'm, I'm, done, I'm done with you. Guys, it'd be over with. But somewhere in the middle, he stepped back in through his son. And he said, I'm going to give you another chance. I'm going to give you a chance for a comeback. And it's through my son, Jesus Christ. And he paid the price. He, he died for my sins. He died for a person that doesn't love him like he should every day. He died for the people that never would love him and still try to deny him. You know why we want to deny Christ? Then we can live however we want. If we start worshiping something dead and something that doesn't, it can't tell us what to do, then we can do whatever we want. And that's what the world wants. That's what everyone in this room wants. We want to do what we want to do. Let's just be honest this morning. Without Christ, we'll do that. Without Jesus Christ in your life, that's what you'll do. You'll do whatever you want to do. And thus, that brings us to 2015, and you see what everybody's wanting to do. Intelligence. Man started out worshiping God, and God's presence is very clear. Let's move on. Verse 21. For although they knew God, they neither glorified him as God, nor gave thanks to him. But their thinking became futile, and their foolish hearts were darkened. 
Although they claimed to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images made to look like a mortal human being and birds and animals and reptiles. Lord, help us. For they, they knew about God. They were, they were born and had something in them that wanted to worship God. They exchanged that. They exchanged that. I'm going to give you a million dollars. I'm going to give you a million dollars. You want that? Yeah, sure. Now, here's how ridiculous that would be. I give you a million dollars, and you go down to the bank and say, I'd like to exchange this for 50 cents. Would somebody do that? Not me, Brother Todd. I need some money. Nine billion times worse. We had the most valuable prize in the world, Jesus Christ and God. And it was given to us. And we didn't like it. And we exchanged it for something else. We exchanged it for worshiping the birds and the animals and the lions and the tigers and the bears and the razorbacks and the cardinals. Hmm. Isn't it something how every team name is a, one of these things we just talked about? What did we say there? It says in verse 23, And images made to look like a mortal human being and birds and animals and reptiles. We began to worship other things. We began to counterfeit God. We began to say, I'd rather have this than have perfection. I'd rather have my way than follow God. And we became ignorant. We became ignorant. Don't call me ignorant, Brother Todd. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. You see how bad we need a Savior? You see how we are to fall on our face and praise a living God every Sunday and every day we live? Because if he doesn't do this for us, guys, this is our, this is our lot in life. This is our lot in life. We did not want to worship God on his terms. We became dark and empty. We had no God, so we started making up our own God on our own terms. Then we went down from there. You always feel inferior to what you worship. Reject God, you become conceited and ignorant. Well, I know people that don't believe in God that aren't conceited and ignorant. Anytime you say there is not a God, what you're saying is I am my own person, I don't need a God, that's conceit. And to go from perfection and have everything with God, and we can still have that through him, through the blood of Jesus Christ. There's power, power, wonder-working power in the blood of Jesus Christ. We can still have that today and say no to that. That, to me, makes you ignorant. And then we begin to indulge ourselves. Then we begin to make ourselves happy in all kind of crazy ways. Because, listen to me, guys. When you say, I don't want you, God, 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 he turns and he raises his hands and he takes his hands off to you and he says, your will be done. I was reading this week, there's two kinds of people in the world. There's those that say, God, your will be done. And there's others that says, God says, okay, your will be done. 
God says to them, your will be done. He'll let you do that. He'll let you do exactly what you want to do. He takes his hands off. Just like he did Pharaoh. Over and over, Pharaoh hardened his heart. No, God, I don't want God. I don't want God. I don't want God. God took his hands off. You see how scary it is to fool with a righteous God? Because one of these days, God just might take his hands off and it's over. But I do think this. I do think that God takes his hands off to allow us to find our way back home if we would listen. Because sometimes, you know how we are. Remember how you were when you were little and mom and dad said, don't go out there, don't play out there in that ditch. Well, where did we want to go play? We wanted to go play in the ditch. Just like Wesley, he wanted to go play in the ditch. Don't get that gun out while I'm gone. He just had to get that gun out. It's the way we are, guys. We want to do what we're not asked to do. It's hard not to do that. God says, I want you to follow me. And you go, but I want to do my own thing. And we begin to just try to find all kind of ways to indulge ourselves. Because I believe, I believe there's a hole in our heart that's made just for God. Remember back here at the beginning, he made us to worship him. We are meant to worship. We are made to worship. If we don't fill that hole with God, we're going to worship something else. And it could be something as ridiculous as a Cadillac Escalade, I'm telling you. We can worship a whole bunch of stuff. We will put stuff in our life that we'll worship, and it can't do a single thing for us. It can't get us one, one iota down the street like God can. Man. This, this is pretty hopeless sounding, isn't it? Verse 24. Therefore, God gave them over. He let his hands go. Look at this. God gave them over. And listen, Paul's dealing with what's going on in Rome right now. He said these people, they're, they're, just, they're trying to find some way to worship something, and they're, they're just going all kind of crazy directions. And this was back in about uh, uh, somewhere around, let's see, what was it? Uh, about 60, 65 A.D., Somewhere in there. And I was about 58, I'm sorry, about 58 A.D. is when they wrote Rome, Romans. And so th- this is going on. These people know exactly what Paul's talking about. And guys, I'm telling you, in 2015, we're about to read something. We know exactly what's going on. Therefore, God gave them over in their sinful desires of their hearts to sexual impurity for the degrading of their bodies with one another. One of the saddest verses in the Bible. They exchanged the truth about God for a lie. And worshiped and served created things rather than the creator who is forever praised. Amen. Paul just had to kind of interject. They just, they're refusing God. They're refusing the main God, the one that can do it all for them. And he just starts praising God right in the middle of this. He said, don't you see there's only one to praise? There's only one to lift up worship to. There's only one that can help you and save you and take you to heaven. It's Jesus Christ. And he shouts out, praise be God, amen, and glory forever. You just can't talk about God and be silent very long. It just wells up in you, and you realize how much we need God. 
from idolatry to immorality in one short step. Guys, I'm telling you, when you take God off the pedestal of your worship and you put something else up there, it just opens up a whole can of worms. And there's no telling where you're going to go from there. It's just a small step from idolatry to immorality. They exchanged the truth about God for a lie. And worship served things rather than the Creator who is forever praised. Amen. Because of this, God gave them over. He took his hands off. If that's what you want, you can have it. God gave them over to shameful lust. Even their women exchanged natural sexual relations for unnatural ones. In the same way, the men also abandoned natural natural relations with women and were inflamed with lust for one another. Men committed shameful acts with other men and received in themselves the due penalty for their error. What, what due penalty? What, what did they receive for that? The torment. The anguish that you go through. I was reading last night that in the homosexual community, suicide is twice as large as it is in the regular society. This writer said it was because of us passing laws that felt them made them feel unworthy and rejected. Listen to me. Anyone can come to Christ and be saved. Anyone. Anyone. And he loves them because I know he loved me. Paul said, all these sins, and there's a multitude of sins, and he said, I was a sinner and I was one of the worst. God saved Paul. He can save anybody. But I also believe this. And I've had people tell me, well, Brother Todd, I, I have homosexual feelings and I'm a Christian. And, and, and all these things. And, and I'm not trying to turn this into just one sermon about homosexuality. But it's amazing to me that the one thing that Paul points out is he goes right to that. He could have picked anything, but he went right to that. Why? Why, why did he do that? Why did he do that? And you look at that, and, and, and people are just, they're in anguish. They're tormented inside. They, they've, they've taken away the natural things, and they put them with unnatural things. They've took the way they've been made, and they've remade themselves. And we look at that and it says, and they, they receive they receive the due penalty for their error, and, and their life is in torment all the time. And, and that's for anybody that's walking away from God. You name a sin. You name someone that doesn't know Christ as Savior. And they're walking away. They're, they're saying, I don't want God. I don't want Him. And their life is miserable. Because they've exchanged the natural way. What's the natural way? To worship God. That's the way we're made. I don't care what anybody says, that's the way we're made. The Bible said that. It's plain to see. It said right there in the first verses. And people are miserable. And they're in torment. And they can't find anything to make them happy. Because they've exchanged the natural way, the way of God, for the way and they're serving themselves. And they've exchanged the truth for a lie. And I believe that when God gets a hold of you and truly saves you, 
He will put your life back in the way it should be, and that won't be a part of your life anymore, whatever that sin is. Now, there may be times when it comes rearing its ugly head, but you now have the power to overcome that sin through the power of the Holy Spirit and Jesus in your life. He will give you that power. He will, no matter what it is. He's going to take, and take your unnatural life, and he's going to turn it back around and make it natural through him. He is the great physician, and that's more than just making you well from a cold. He can, he can help you and restore your very soul, your very spirit that is sick, that is sin-sick, because we have denied Christ. Indulgence. If we are our own God, we can do whatever we want. The Bible does not apply to us anymore. Have you heard that lately? Well, the Bible's old. It's out of date. It's antiquated. It doesn't apply to me anymore. Well, it don't. When you decide to be your own God, fold this thing up and lay it down. It's over. You don't need it anymore. Because you just took God out of the picture. Now, what do you decide? What do you do? You live with whatever comes. When you're your own God, you get to fix your own problems. Now, don't take time to pray to him when somebody gets sick because you don't need him anymore. Don't get mad at him when something don't go your way. You don't need him. Don't, don't, don't curse God because your life's going wrong. You, didn't, you threw him out. Blame yourself. Oh, it couldn't be my fault. That's what you're saying. I want to live the way I want. I don't want nobody to tell me how to live. I'm going to live my way, and don't you judge me. Don't you judge me. Guys, we don't have to judge anybody. God is the supreme judge. I got enough to worry about with Todd Vincent worrying about everybody else. All he's asked us to do is live the life. Live the life. Something to think about, isn't it? You see, they want the best of both worlds. That's the way we were when we were lost. We wanted the best of both worlds. We want to kind of, you know, if we need God, we'll holler at you, but just stay over there and let me do what I want to do. I don't want to really live for him all the time. I don't want to totally surrender. Guys, I'm guilty of that myself sometimes. I have to admit to you. I have to really be careful. It's a constant fight. It's a constant battle. And I've said it a hundred times, what I look forward to the most when I get to heaven, other than seeing Jesus, is that this fight will be over inside of me where I can live for him and praise him and give him what he deserves. And I have to sit there and talk myself out of sin and thoughts and all this depravity of man just makes you sick. We exchange the truth for a lie. The lie is this. We're in control. Whatever we want is fine. God gave them up. He took his hands off. God reveals his wrath. How does he reveal his wrath? By letting them do whatever they want. Guys, I'm telling you, when you take off on a journey without God, you open up the door for a whole lot of wrath to come your way. Let's try to finish up real quick. Verse 28. Furthermore, just as they did not think it worthwhile to retain the knowledge of God, so God gave them over to a depraved mind. So they do what ought not to be done. 
They have become filled. They don't have just a little bit of wickedness. They don't have just a little bit of sin in their life. They're just filled with it. This is what happens when God takes his hand off. Guys, listen to me. We are sitting here in, in this place this morning, and we should be on our knees thanking him for his grace. Because when he takes his hand off, and we don't have his grace, and we don't know him as Savior, our life is just going down the tubes in a hurry. They have become filled with every kind of wickedness, evil, greed, depravity. They're full of envy, full of murder and strife and deceit and malice. They are gossips, slanderers. They run people down. They run people in the dirt. They love putting other people down. God-haters. Wouldn't you hate to be known as a God-hater? What's the biggest thing today? Oh, oh, if you say I'm not obeying God's word, you're a hater. You hate me. So here's the thing. You're either a God-hater or you're a God-lover. Oh, you're hating on me. No, you're your own God now. I, have, I can't do anything for you. you got your own God. I'm not hating anybody. I've just, I just told you what I believe is the truth. This is God's word. And I'm not saying it because I'm all that great. So I'm not. But I'm saying it because, just like Paul said, this is the good news. And, and if I love people and if I love God, I want to tell them there's a way out. This is the good news. We asked our teens this morning, what travels faster at school, the bad news or the good news? In one accord, they went, bad news. This is the good news. There's a way out of all this stuff we're talking about this morning. But you've got to give up something. You've got to give up self. And you've got to give it all to God. All to Jesus, I surrender. I surrender all. God-haters, insolent, arrogant, boastful. Listen to this. They invent ways of doing evil. They disobey their parents. They have no understanding, no fidelity, no love, no mercy. Although they know God's righteous decree that those who do such things deserve death, they not only continue to do these very things, but also approve of those who practice them. You're a sinner. Way to go. You've denied God. Great job. Come on, come on, let's go sin together. Let's put it on Facebook. Let's have a rally and, and tell everybody how great of sinners we are. There's no shame anymore. Guys, I don't know about you, but when I sin against God, I'm shamed. It breaks my heart. I sure don't want to announce it to the world. We, we've got past that. We're not ashamed of our sin anymore. Look at what I've done. Cheers. Look at me. Look what I'm doing. I know it's against God's word, but I'm proud of it. I know it's not natural, but I'm proud of it. Look at me, world. I'm a sinner. I'm one that's denied Christ. I'm a God-hater. He can't tell me what to do. You know, but I love God. I sin, but I love God. Can't have it both ways. And we're really quick to say that. Oh, but I'm a sinner too. We're all sinners. And when we are, guys, don't, please don't have this come off as I'm arrogant and I'm so good. I'm not. I'm a sinner saved by grace. But that changes the game. 
I believe it changes the game. We don't keep, we, you know, we don't keep living the way we were and just say, well, God, to forgive me, and he does forgive, but I think it ought to change the way we act and walk and talk and the things we do. It ought to totally reorganize our life when God saves us. And we ought to be ashamed of what we do that, that defends God, that, that offends God, that goes against God. We ought to be ashamed of that. Because he's changed us. If we say God's changed me, we say salvation is a life-changing experience. But we still look like we did 10 years ago. Is it really changing us? Or are we just kind of living in the comfort zone and saying, well, when I mess up, I just ask God to forgive me and he forgives me and I just keep going. And listen to me, please listen to me. He does forgive and he does love you. But this is what his grace is about. This is what his grace is about. He can change your life. It don't have to be the way it used to be. I don't have to fall at the same sin I fell before because he can change my life because he is all-powerful. I don't celebrate sin. I don't throw sin in front of God and say, come on, look at me, I can do what I want. Ain't nobody going to tell me what to do. You know what the Bible says? Someday when God comes back, Jesus comes back, those kind of people are going to ask for the rocks to fall on them because they're going to be so ashamed. Maybe for the first time in their life they've been ashamed. Because they know since the beginning of creation we know it's plain. It's as plain as the nose on your face. There is a God. And there is a God that loves you and he's offering you a brand new way of living and it's up to you to accept it. It's big stuff. And listen to me. In closing, without the grace of God, we're the people that we're reading about on these pages. You notice how Paul kept saying they, 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 they. He wasn't saying that we're better than them. He was saying because you know the grace of God. That's what Romans is going to get into. We're going to get into it next. He's got to show us how sinful we are before we really appreciate how big his grace is. But he said, they, 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 you're not that way anymore because God has changed you through his grace, through his amazing, amazing, abundant grace. And we should not treat it lightly. We should not want to live in sin. We should not celebrate sin. We should get on our knees and ask God to show us how to live. And all God's people said, Amen. Let's pray. And Father, this is big stuff. And Lord, I just want to thank you on behalf of all these people for your grace. I thank you for creating us with a, a sense of worship for you. And Lord, I, my heart is broken. For those that have, that have put you aside, that have discarded you and decided to live their life on their own. Lord, show us how to live. Lord, help us to get a grasp of what sin really is. Help us not to fall so easy. Help us not to walk that line between 
living for you and not living for you and just trying to see how close we can get to not living for you. Help us to run away from sin. Help us to run towards you and worship you and follow what you say. Lord, I ask that on behalf of me, on behalf of these wonderful people. Help us to do that, Lord. Lord, if there's someone in this room today that, that don't know you, that they've been, they've been worshiping their self, they've been living their own life, and they want to, they realize now that I, I'm meant to worship God, and that's why my life has been so out of sorts. Maybe today they'd like to come and, and ask you to save them. Lord, we'd love to see that today. And Lord, then you can start creating a, a brand new person, a new creation in you. Speak to the hearts this morning, Lord. Help us all to deal with the sin that so easily besets us. In your name we pray.